0: Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host, Rob Stanley. Hey, everyone. Rob Stanley here with the Seller Growth Podcast. Uh, Great to see everybody out there today. I got Chris McCabe. Hey, Chris, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you doing, Rob?
0: A great. Uh, wow. We got a big audience already just coming in live. So today we are talking about how to avoid Amazon suspension by resolving performance notifications. And we will dive deep into this, but just real quick, Chris, just give everybody kind of a, uh, just a high level. If they are dealing with a uh, performance notification, what's that kind of look like? What do they get like via email and yeah. should they avoid it or not avoid, you know, <laughs>
1: the messaging they yeah. take it serious? The messaging that you see in Seller Central, you're signing in hopefully every day on a regular basis, you're going into your performance notifications or you're looking at it as an email to the primary email associated with your account. Um, Obviously it depends on how you've set up your user permissions, but it's the messaging Amazon sends to you when it's something they want you to look at. It might not be terrible news. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but it might be relevant information that you need to use to make a decision, update your credit card, Maybe they read your appeal for an ASIN that was suspended and they're telling you it's reinstated. So it's not always you know, bad news, but it's always something that you need to stay on top of. It's not that common anymore for me to talk to sellers who say, where are my notifications? Where do I see that? I don't know where that is. I mean, maybe some new people, but most people know that they're there and they know they need to read them as they come in.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great kind of start just to get, get everybody going. So uh, once again, Rob's down with the Sell Growth Podcast, also Chief Market Officer for Me. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I got Chris McKay, we're talking about suspension, Amazon suspensions. And, hey, real quick, everybody, uh, we're just getting people on. We are more than happy to take any questions. Post those questions down in the section, and Chris will definitely answer them. And uh, we're going to keep going, though. we got lots of information to cover here. So, Chris, what there a lot of brands when they get like these suspensions what are some of the mistakes they make when they get them i mean other than avoiding them <laughs> and not you know right. paying attention to them
1: and some people do avoid them because they simply don't know how to respond and they contact amazon on some basic rudimentary level they get some support rep or maybe if they know enough to count, contact account health they ask them but they get a general answer they get a non answer and then they're just stuck and they don't know what to do so there are some people that make a conscious decision not to answer them. But of course we recommend countering them the right way with the right information. So the first thing you have to figure out is why are they sending me this? Is it a, what is it? Is it a policy violation warning? Are they taking a listing away? What are the actions expected? Are they asking me for a plan of action or are they not? You'd be surprised how many sellers don't read the entire message and they'll come to me and show it to me and say, Amazon wants a plan of action and I'll look through it and I'll say, no, they don't. That this doesn't even say that they, they want an invoice. They want you to prove authenticity. I mean, I understand often they do ask for a plan of action, but don't just like race through reading these things. Look at exactly what they're asking you for and within what time frame. So is there a deadline associated with it? Whenever you're in doubt about this stuff, contact account health to clarify it. Sometimes that's hit or miss. I understand sometimes you get a, a rep who doesn't know what they're talking about and they send you down the wrong road. Other times you might get somebody who can clarify it for you. It's worth the phone call. But read the message all the way through, figure out what they're asking you for, figure out why they might be warning you for let's say an ACE attracted buyer complaints, what kind of buyer complaints, right? Go to voice of the customer, go to your return reasons, look at some product reviews. So if you're a brand who's getting hit with some of these things and they seem like they're out of left field, get as close to the target as possible before you even think of writing something that would constitute an appeal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great info. Look, we got questions coming in already. So we're going to hit one of these questions right now. Uh, Again, I got Chris McCabe. We're talking about Amazon suspensions and how to avoid them. This is a huge topic. I see it all the time in all the Facebook groups. Uh, Ben just sent in a question. Let's uh, go right to it. So here we go. Let me read that to you. Yep. If someone only sells in U.S., but their linked account ability to sell in uh, Canada and Mexico have been suspended for months, how difficult is it to reinstate those accounts? Great question, Ben. Keep them coming.
1: Right. No. No quick answer in terms of difficulty. Difficulty depends on the details. I would have to know why those accounts were suspended in the first place. Usually there's an original account suspension that you can trace everything back to. And you can say my my Canada and Mexico were suspended because of relations to XYZ account. Or once again, you can press account help for those details and say, what account am I related to? They might give you three letters. They might give you the first letter and the last letter. They know they have to give you something. So keep at it and make sure you get that information before you de- even decide how difficult it might be. Usually I hear from brands that are stuck in brand registry. They can't do anything within brand registry because Canada or Mexico are down, even if their US account is fine. So most of the time, I do recommend that people get those reinstated, because obviously, if you leave it there, you have no idea what threat it could pose down the road, or if you might struggle to do a brand registry ticket to solve a problem in the future.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Wow, we're getting quite a few viewers here. So hey, everybody, real quick.
1: Can I just throw one thing out there? I mean, the reason I thought this would be a good topic today is because resolving notifications as they come in, getting ASINs reinstated when they're suspended, that improves your risk score, that improves your account health to the point where an account suspension is farther and farther away from you and easier to avoid. That's why I wanted to talk about this today because these may seem insignificant individually. And I think that's why some sellers avoid answering these. They either don't know how to, or they don't understand what that individual notification means in the larger picture. In the larger picture, it means your risk score is impacted and you're getting closer, whether it feels that way or not, you're edging ever closer to a potential manual review, somebody looking at your account and deciding if they wanna suspend you or not. So I just wanted to preface this topic with those additional comments.
0: Yeah, and and just real quick to Ben who answered that question, if you wanna post a follow up, we will follow up on that. But we do Mm -hmm. have some more questions we wanna get through. Uh, And once again, everybody hit that like and subscribe. I really do appreciate those likes and subscribes. Uh, It helps me out a lot uh, to justify the show to everybody. And make sure that we uh, keep this rolling So, and keep great information coming. So once again, uh, Rob Stanley with Akrumi, Chief Market Officer. I got Chris McCabe from e-commerce. Chris, Chris what about, and this gets talked about a lot,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, what can brands do when they get hit by attackers? I mean, uh, you know, they either get yeah. their listing uh, nailed and, and ended up somebody taking it over or falsely accused of issues uh, yeah. like trademark issues. How can people protect themselves from things like that
1: i mean trademark issues anything around rights ownership my main recommendation would be to make sure you're allied with or working with a competent reliable ip attorney Um, i'm happy to recommend some to people if they're looking for those Um, there are lots of attacks through brand registry through detail page abuse not related to product reviews i know all about product review abuse but let's set that to the side for the moment there are lots of attacks from one brand to another simply because one brand is savvier with black hat tactics or they work with a consultant who's shady, who knows how to you know, manipulate loopholes and things like that. This is a huge topic. I think Amazon is beginning to understand the severity and the quantities of people who are impacted by these things. In 2020, they seem to react as though these were all one-offs and edge cases. I think they now understand there are huge patterns of abuse that are being exploited. Um, There are Facebook groups devoted to them. There are pay in masterminds devoted to, you know, fraudster type tactics, shady, illicit tactics. And the brand abuse people understand that now at Amazon, but the problem is they're still catching up. Um, They've dedicated more people to resolving some of these things, but they're still kind of doing them one at a time. They're not addressing it in a consistent, thorough, comprehensive manner. So what brands can do Is make sure that when you're suspended on an ASIN you're appealing for reinstatement of course but you're not just doing a reinstatement appeal and complaining I've been attacked without giving specific information or without giving any data or even without giving date and time I mean maybe you can't give the time as close as you can get though that helps abuse prevention investigators to narrow down what might have happened to you whether it's an investigator internally doing the wrong thing whether it's a, a seller overwriting your flat files, whatever it might be, swapping out your images, adding text uh, to backend keywords that gets your listing suspended, give them those specifics and write it well. Don't just throw a bunch of stuff at them and hope that they'll piece it together for you. They've got no time for that. They've got hundreds of thousands of these to go through. Right? Have a competent writer put this together in a meaningful way so that somebody on the investigation side at Amazon can review it, make a quick decision, identify enough info that you've given them to confirm what you're telling them. So you're not just spouting off, you're giving them confirmation details. Uh, I'm sorry, you're giving them confirmation of something they can review and and, um, verify on their end. And then you're reporting at two places, right? You're appealing for a reinstatement, which is one team. We love how Amazon is, right? Divide everything into 17 different teams that don't talk to each other. Reinstatement appeal on the one side, abuse report on the other, it's a hybrid. So appeal as if it's a hybrid case. Yeah. That's, I know that's, that's a lot creative. of info. But, <laughs> and by the way, I know this stuff is confusing. Amazon's not advertising the fact that abuse is rampant. They're not going to, you know, make it easy for you to identify these teams and say, oh, here's the email queue. Just send your complaint there or send your reinstatement here. It's not like that anymore. You know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 100% correct. So uh, yeah, everybody, uh, again, I got Chris McCabe. We're talking about how to avoid Amazon suspension, huge topic. And uh, we, we have another great question coming up and keep those questions coming. We are getting some great questions coming in. We'll try to answer them as they come in. And again, hit that like and subscribe. We do appreciate it. So Chris, real quick, uh, sometimes it fails when you do report it, like you don't hear back. Now, hang on a second. Don't answer that yet because we've got to take a quick break for our sponsor, AccruMe. Hang on one second. This content is brought to you by Akrumi, the business-friendly funding solution for Amazon sellers. If you are a profitable Amazon seller looking for capital to grow your profits, click the link around this video or visit accrume.com for a no-risk funding estimate in less than three minutes. Yeah, so welcome back to the show. Uh, once again, I'm Rob Stanley, Chief Mark Officer for Acrumi. I got Chris McCabe on. We're talking about how to avoid Amazon suspension. And before we went to the break, I had a question for Chris, and I know people run into this. They report the abuse or the issue going on and they just don't hear back. It's like it went into oblivion. What should they do at that point?
1: And sadly, even if you report it the right way, these days, often you don't hear back. Doesn't mean you should give up. It just means you have to try again or send it you know, someplace else. Or treat it like an escalation, the same you would an account reinstatement, right? If you were suspended and you appealed and they didn't answer. Um, You can't just expect to open a seller support ticket. I don't care if they tell you that that's the way to do it. You can't expect that to go anywhere. You can't expect almost anything to go anywhere with support, generally speaking. Abuse reporting, even if they tell you they sent it to the right place, the reason you're not hearing back is because they either told you that and they didn't, or they did send it to the right place. But it was just dumped into some email queue or transfer queue and quite honestly a lot of contacts that are emailed in um are are also sitting in a queue that's being ignored right we talk to suspended sellers all the time i haven't received a response i contacted seller performance i did what they told me i hit the appeal button unfortunately you can contact amazon a variety of ways still in this day and age and still it gets transferred tagged to somebody dumped into a queue And It might even be assigned to a specific person, depending on the abuse report that you put together. Um, What if that person's not around this week? What if they're not around next week? Imagine an ancient ticketing system (laughs) where some of these contacts are tagged to a person and not a team, and they are left there to die. Well, that means you can't wait. You can't just assume that person, as soon as they come back in Monday morning, two weeks from now, is going to read that and respond to you. They probably have a mountain of these when they come back. Maybe they didn't go on vacation. Maybe they've been there the whole time, but they're buried under a mountain of these tags or transfers that have been sent over to them, especially if they're manager level or a senior or a lead investigator. So you have to understand first which abuse reporting queues you're sending things to. Make sure you're sending abuse reports to the right team, to the right queue. Don't complain about brand abuse to the reviews abuse guys. Don't complain about reviews abuse to the brand abuse guys. It would seem easy to you and me to have them just transfer it over to that team. You would think they're, you know, on Zooms with those guys all the time, having lunch with them in normal times, whatever. It's not like that in Amazon. Amazon hasn't had the time or the incentive or really uh, the dedicated resources to organize this stuff where they can consistently manage enforcement and, a competent way or in the proper way. It's up to you, unfortunately, without a lot of visibility in how these teams work, they consider it your responsibility to figure this stuff out, your responsibility to know how to write these up, and your responsibility to know where abuse reports need to go outside of support. I mean, if you talk to an Amazonian, a lot of times they'll say, yup, open a case with seller support. If you have an account manager, they'll say, open an SAS ticket, right? The way you're supposed to if you're a managed account. Uh, or you have your strategic account manager do it. Same concept. Where that ticket goes, when it's processed, whether or not an expert level person is reviewing it, God only knows. So it's up to you to keep applying the pressure.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you you covered a lot of ways on kind of what not to do and a few on how what to yeah. do,
1: but let's go into that a little bit more
0: and I'll give you kind of an example. Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot of times people, they get, they get this notification about an issue on, you know, uh, the suspension,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then they go out to a group or they go somewhere on the web and they find yep. these forms that people have written. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's talk about that, Chris, because I, I feel from, you know, hearing actually probably from more talking from you <laughs> there, yeah. it is certain <laughs> ways to do, to appeal. Yeah. And there's certain ways not to appeal and, and others are effective. we're not saying that maybe people haven't, used the form and, and actually got the appeal to go through. But that's mm-hmm. not the not going to give you the best chance. So right. what ways are working for some of these sellers to go back and appeal some of these suspensions? And once again, everybody, uh, keep those comments coming. Uh, Chris is going to answer this. And if you have any uh, questions you want to ask, please ask them. hit that like and subscribe. Go ahead, Chris. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's two things. There's a big difference between spending all your time thinking about where do I send it, where do I send it, right? Suspended sellers used to always dwell on I have a plan of action, where do I send it? Have they really looked at whether or not the plan of action has a remote chance of being accepted? Maybe not. A lot of times they focus so much on where, 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 no one's talking to me, where does it go? Got to send it to Jeff, that they completely ignored the quality of the appeal they put together. Same thing, same principle. Even more so I would say with abuse reporting, because if it's a low quality, bad writing, poorly put together, confusing, you're all over the place, it's disorganized, forget it. The odds that they read it, the odds that they care are infinitesimal. There's, you, you've wasted all the time you put into it. So think about what you're sending them, how long it is, is it organized? Are you giving them data? Are you just complaining? Are you saying we've been attacked a million times by the same guy, why aren't you taking this guy out? Are you giving them lots of editorializing, a lot of conjecture, a lot of casual observation? I can tell you definitively, they don't care about any of that. If you complain the right way to a higher up and they kick it down and delegate it to somebody on the teams I used to work on, yeah, they got it from upstairs, so then they care. If it doesn't get to that point, you're giving them permission and an opportunity to ignore you. And if you spent half an afternoon putting this stuff together, why are you wasting that time? You don't wanna waste it. You could take a lot of the raw data that you put into that poorly written abuse report reformulate it, reshape it, write it up the right way. And then you can worry about where it goes. I'm fine with that. But until you've got something that's gold again, same thing with a plan of action for account reinstatement, stop worrying about where, how many places you can send it until you know, you've got something that's hundred percent solid. That's ready to go in. I think it's a seller psychology piece. I mean, we've talked about a lot of different seller psychology stuff on my podcast, but sellers talk themselves into thinking that they're done with the work, the written work prematurely. And then they have to focus most of their time on where to go. You know, I hear this from a lot of people all the time. Where do I send this? Because I just need somebody to see it. I just need somebody to review it. But then when I look at it, I start immediately identifying weaknesses. And weaknesses, just to wrap this point up, anything weak in your appeal, whether it's an abuse report or an escalation for account reinstatement, you're giving them an opportunity. You're giving them an excuse to ignore you. You're giving them an opportunity to save time, skip you. They still get credit for an investigation. They still get credit for the time they spent on you. But instead of 10 minutes of thorough review, they gave you two minutes or they gave you 60 seconds. And the reason they justify giving you short shrift is because of the quality of the material you sent them. That's not the case every time because I've been contacted by some sellers who had great stuff. I looked at it. I w- I looked at it with a skeptical eye. I think it was well written, good good info, well put together and Amazon simply ignored it. But they have the basis to escalate that somewhere else whereas somebody who slaps something together does not have that.
0: Yeah, that that's some great information Chris and and Perfect. I mean, we got mm-hmm. a couple of questions coming in right now that yep. are uh, some great questions. So, just everybody, once again, Rob Stanley and Chief Market Officer for crew, me. and I got Chris McCabe on. We're talking about how to avoid Amazon suspension. Huge topic. Probably this, you know, there's going to be a ton of questions coming in. We're getting some already. Hang tight, real quick, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. We will answer that question in just a second. But Chris, you heard the term. It takes money to it. It takes money to make money. You've heard that term before, right?
1: For, yeah, you should definitely invest in preventing these types of things instead of investing the money once you're already suspended.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, in in this case, in this case, it takes Mm -hmm. money to make money. Everybody should take a quick look at AccruMe.com. Check out our three-minute instant funding form. Absolutely no no interest or zero interest, no monthly payments. Hang tight. Let me uh, throw you a spot here. All sellers are looking to grow their business. Why not take advantage of the AccrueMe.com grow now and pay later option? AccrueMe is not a bank. They truly only win when you win with growth capital funding. What are you waiting for? Head on over to accrumi.com now. Be sure to mention the podcast. Yeah, so once again, welcome back to the Seller Growth Podcast. I'm Rob Stanley, Chief Market Officer. And if you do head over there, please do mention the podcast. We really do appreciate that. Let's hit those questions, Chris. We got them coming in. Yep. And actually, a couple more came in while we were there. So. Let me put this up on the screen. So Chris, in your opinion, is Amazon doing a better or worse job in dealing with seller issues before deciding to suspend them?
1: Excellent question. question. Yeah, great question because in some ways they're better and in other ways they're worse. The messaging quality, let's start with the worst and then we'll end on a happy note. How about that? (laughs) Um, The messaging quality has been trending downward for years. It's more murky, more generic, more copy paste than it's ever been. Um, So in terms of responding, to your appeals, whether they're ASIN level, or if you're countering a policy violation, if you don't think you were violating a policy, for example, and you appeal that, um, you know they're, they're doing a, a bad job in managing those responses because those are important. They could keep you from being suspended, so they should be taking those seriously. They're doing a better job at, at alerting you to a problem, uh, whether it's a phone call from Account Health or messaging from Account Health, indicating that, hey, you got to get your act together. There's something wrong. There are buyers complaining about the same thing over and over. Um, There's something going wrong with your metrics, your order fulfillment, whatever it is, they're doing a much better job at giving you a heads up before they take the action. It's less of a lightning strike nowadays um, for a suspension. We still hear from sellers who say, this came out of nowhere. We don't know what they're talking about. We don't know what this is for, but we don't hear that as often as we did maybe in 2018, 2019. Um, they're, they're better at giving you a heads up that something could be coming and giving you at least 72 hours to prepare a plan of action or just to, to prepare for a possible account review and account suspension. The messaging is not so hot and they need to do a better job at uh, communicating and corresponding with sellers about the suspension process itself.
0: Yeah, and uh, so, so kind of following up to that and I have another question that came in, uh, but following up to that, Chris, so once you've done the appeal, how do you find out the results? I remember in the past that used mm-hmm. to be bing, oh, your account's working again, or, you know, yeah. you're able to send messaging or whatever it was, you know, it, it was like, all of a sudden it just started working and you never got anything that said, Hey, you know, we've resolved it or, Hey, thank you. So. How do you kind of find out like whether it's been resolved or you've been reapproved again or whatever you want to call it? Yeah,
1: your appeal has been accepted for reinstatement. Yeah. In the past, if you go back a couple of years, you always got a notification. It was rare that we heard people say, I've been reinstated, but nobody told me. Now it's common. That's another problem, is just the silence. You see things happening on in Seller Central, you see things happening on your account. There's no notification indicating that you've been reinstated on a lot of these ASINs or on an account level. Sometimes most of the time people still get a a notification saying you've been reinstated. Um, but you're right. That does happen where people will just say, I I got reinstated. I'm, I'm not deactivated anymore. I'm back to work and I don't know what happened. And we're just like, great. Um, you can always follow up with account health if you want to call in and say, what's going on. Did this get accepted? Um, A lot of the clients and sellers we have just kind of go back to work and they're like, I've been reinstated. Of course, it helps to have it in writing. Everything you do with Amazon, whether it's calling account health, calling support, calling your account manager, calling anyone. Phone calls aren't, you know, they might be recorded by Amazon when you're using Amazon Chime, but they're not recorded by you. And that's not proof. You want to get it in writing. Um, It's a crazy system. Seller Central, I think, launched in 2009. 2010, it's a clunky old tool, it's not reliable. And then they layered the account help dashboard over it. That's not reliable. Sometimes it's updated, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you see a one turn into a zero after you've successfully appealed. The next day, the next week, sometimes it's a month later, you'd expect Amazon to have something better than that. But until they scrap all of seller central and build a whole new tool, which is probably a couple of years at least away, we're stuck with what they've got, which is not consistent and, and not hundred percent reliable.
0: Yeah. Stay right there on the screen. Chris, uh, uh, Chris we got another question that popped up. Uh, how do I file against patent infringements? Uh, that, that could be a whole nother episode, but maybe a high level on that, Chris, one.
1: Yeah. I'm, and again, I'm not an attorney. I'm not an IP attorney. So I can refer p- if you need somebody to do a patent assessment or a design assessment. It depends on what kind of patent infringement you're referring to. But obviously that depends on the specs, the specifics of the product. Um, yeah. and I know a couple of IP attorneys and I'm very, uh, I, am very passionate about only referring people to services, attorneys, whatever, who I really believe in, who I think are good. And that's based on years of success of sending people to those. Um, obviously yeah. I don't like get a piece of the action or anything. When I send you to an attorney, I can't share legal fees with a, with a law firm. Um, I send you there because they're good. Um, yeah, we last all thing right, I got I, another.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. h- hang tight because uh, at the end I will give mm-hmm. you contact uh, information for Chris, how to get a hold of him, yeah. how to email him. Uh, so hang tight on those, and, and uh, we do have some more questions coming in. I want to cover yeah, yeah. these, Chris, and keep them coming. So uh, hold I on one second. Question. We had another one pop up. Yeah, there was a lot of questions. So this is a long mm-hmm. one too. Received many restriction, uh, restricted product violations for pesticides for items that have nothing to do with pesticides. Appealed. SFP auto respond responds that items are subject to pesticide policy. I've heard this talked about a few times on mm-hmm. some of the Facebook groups. Um, maybe you could give a little more information. I didn't get to see actually whether there was a reply from anybody or whether it was correct. But what's it your uh, thoughts on that?
1: Okay. It comes up. It comes up every day for us. We hear from people. Why is this flagged for pesticides? This has nothing to do with pesticides. Sometimes it does have something to do with compliance requirements. And we can set those aside for the moment. And assume that this question comes from somebody who's selling something that has absolutely nothing to do with pesticides, but maybe in the course of trying to optimize your listing or for some other reason, some other detail on the product, good for this good for preventing that whatever the language was, it triggered a bot that sent this message to them and suspended the listing, because they have to amend and update their listing content. And sometimes that can be done simply, other times people get stuck, they open cases with seller support um, because Amazon sees an appeal from you, but if they don't see that you've made the changes, which of course, if the listing's down, it's hard to show them that you've made the changes, then you get into a big cycle of back and forth messaging with them. Um, that ends up being like a four step process and I won't go through every single piece of it right now, but we do have a solution for that. Um, the first step is getting that la- identifying that language Getting it out of the listing content, the listing, uh, you know, the detail page content or getting it out of your flat files and then proving to Amazon that you've amended and adjusted the language. Sometimes it's just some a, a phrase like antifungal. I mean, the random, you know, antibacterial. Those are two common ones, uh, which products that aren't normally associated with pesticides still sometimes have that language in their listing. And that's the first thing that has to go. You have to purge that content. Otherwise, Amazon won't uh, reinstate it.
0: Yeah. Great information. And, uh, so we got a ton of people watching our YouTube channel. I really appreciate it. Hit that. I think it's white and red thumbs up down in the corner to subscribe. That way you'll get notified when we, every Tuesdays and Thursdays, when we have the podcast up, have mm-hmm. great information every week. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and, you know, post some more questions, but Chris, uh, you know, one thing that I kind of remember, uh, I remember getting a suspension notice. And I God, I can't remember it was a few years back on when I got it. Um, but the suspension notification—it was so generic. Mm-hmm. How do I find out like what I was actually suspended for? Because they used to be just really kind of generic. Have they fixed that recently? It's been a few years since no. I've been in that in those. So they're going That's in the good.
1: direction. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. They're going in the direction of more generic answers. Uh, they were always going in that direction because they love. They don't they don't love being pinned down on their language, like, well, you told me this on the 13th. That's not true. Here's proof to the contrary. They keep it as muddy as possible so that they can just tell you basic in basic terms what they're doing. We're taking a listing down, we're sending you a policy violation warning, whatever they're up to. They give they communicate that in a very basic fashion because they don't want you picking apart their often erroneous or unsubstantiated messaging. Um, They want to keep it as vanilla blank as possible. It's for their convenience. It's so that they reserve the right to interpret what they've sent you for messaging. Um, It's not to, the the purpose is not to give you a ton of information so that you can sift through it and see what you need to do next. They expect you to do the running around, you to do the research. They'll just, I don't know, are you talking about like an ASIN suspension you had? Or...
0: Uh, Um, you know, I, I can't remember what my suspension was for, but I I do remember it just being really generic. Yeah. I mean, I I think it may have been a feedback, a related one. Sure. uh, Sure. So let's,
1: let's assume it was an ASIN. They took a listing down, Okay. right? That happens to almost everybody every, every so often, at least they dump the ASIN in your lap. They give you a vague idea of what they think happened, whether it's a buyer complaint, an IP complaint, policy violation of some sort. Maybe you had something on your listing that's non-compliant a listing violation whatever it is they basically just give you a general message dump the asin in your lap and they want you to study it from all sides and figure out what they're talking about i know that sounds ridiculous but that is the way they approach it maybe they would disagree and then say no we give you enough to figure out what we mean we don't want to tell you everything and serve it up on a platter you need to go through your account and show us that you've researched this gone through your account reviewed this problem whatever that would be amazon's perspective We can debate it, argue it. We can agree or disagree. The bottom line is they give you a minimal amount of information. This is my opinion. And then they leave it up to you to troubleshoot based on the information you come up with researching that problem. If they're not even clear what the problem is, if it's so murky and vague that you can't even get started on level one, then I would say call account health services and say, you guys sent me this message. Sometimes they don't even mention the ASIN. They'll say your listing, your product. They'll have all that language in each paragraph, and then they'll forget to copy and paste the ASIN in. Or I'm sure some of your viewers, listeners have seen things where there's empty brackets and it'll literally say insert ASIN here or something to that nature. We see those all the time. The investigator was so sloppy, so unprofessional, or maybe some of these messages were even automated and it misfired that there's empty brackets. They don't even tell you the listing. So they, Pound into your head the idea that something's wrong and you got to fix it, and they can't even get it right to give you the ASIN. I mean, it's really embarrassing how some of these things go out.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: just have you seen those? Yeah,
0: I, I it's been a little while, but yeah I, yeah, I think I've seen some posted and some information about those. Uh, actually, we got a, a question, a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in. if
1: somebody's experienced that, I'd love to. It, it might also say like ODR rate is blank percent like even for performance metrics we've seen it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. that's
1: so embarrassing
0: real quick <laughs> we have a question that comes in but don't answer it yet uh it's regarding paying for an account manager that comes up a lot on paying for account manager i will jump into that question right after this sponsored message this content is brought to you by a the business friendly funding solution for amazon sellers if you're a profitable Amazon seller looking for capital to grow your profits, click the link around this video or visit AccruMe.com for a no-risk funding estimate in less than three minutes. Yeah, so we're back. And once again, if you do go to me.com, be sure to mention the podcast. We really appreciate it. So let's jump into that question, Chris. Uh, they're asking, is there any value in paying for a dedicated account manager? I've talked... To a lot of sellers who have paid for them, but it sounds like only one person has said it was really worth it. What's kind of your feel on that, Chris?
1: I try to keep an open mind because I've had, I mean, a lot of our clients have account managers, so some of them are are veterans, they're seasoned, they know their way around, they're, they're worth it. And I, I verify that in whether I'm on the call with the client and the account manager, or I know their name from previous clients, whatever it might be, But I do agree that that's probably not the majority of the time. So, and unfortunately you can't test them out, test drive them for three weeks and then decide if you want to pay or not. Usually there's like a minimum commitment of six months. I have heard a lot of the same complaints. Hey, it's not worth it. They can't help me troubleshoot. I'm getting attacked by a competitor. They don't know what to do. They tell me that they can't communicate with seller performance on my behalf, or they're forcing me to use this ticket system, which just kind of, creates a generic answer. I understand that. I've seen all of that. Um, And with abuse reporting, we've talked about that a lot today. The account managers are still learning the ropes on these things and still catching up on what they can and can't do. There's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll maybe save for the next show. But (laughs) the bottom line is you have to take it as an experiment. Take it with a grain of salt. Don't expect them to solve all your problems. Most of them are really there to help you launch new SKUs, manage the account in other Uh, aspects, help you grow, right? That's why they're there. Um, You're not paying them a monthly fee for them to solve all your problems. And they can listen, they can kind of be your, you know, manager therapist, uh, to an extent, and listen to your problems. But they can't necessarily pump a bunch of escalations out to all the right people quickly solve problems quickly. They can on occasion. um, But they can't do that on a consistent enough basis for some sellers to warrant the payments.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Chris, I, I was just thinking about, um, I think it was maybe four, maybe five months back. Mm-hmm. They kind of implemented, and I don't know if it was specific to like specifically kind of like a three strikes and you're out type of thing. Was mm-hmm. that more for like feedback or was that for all suspensions in general? Do you remember that oh, coming up not too long ago?
1: Are you referring to proactive messaging bands? Is maybe that- that's
0: what it was. Was it specific to proactive or um, was it also with just all suspensions?
1: I mean, most of the people who are told that there's no appeals process for this, you can't undo this, are the people who, whether it's their second or third warning, they got a 30-day ban for proactive messaging. Uh, If you'll remember November 6th, they updated and clarified that entire policy with seven things or eight things, make sure you don't include this with your messaging to buyers. So after November 6th, anyone considered violating those rules, they pretty much just cut people off and said, you're done. We've already told you what the rules are. Whether it's deliberate, deliberate or not doesn't really matter to Amazon. A lot of people come to us and say, hey, we did it by accident. It wasn't malicious. That rarely means anything to Amazon, no matter what you're talking about. If it's a policy violation, it's valid. You're guilty of it. You don't really have a leg to stand on. If there's a defined appeals process, yes, by all means, to them say you've improved your methodology you're not you're not going to break that policy again great with the proactive messaging bans, most people if not everyone who came back after a 30-day ban if if amazon thought they were breaking that rule in any way shape or form again they cut them off permanently so the three strikes probably applies to the 30-day the people who violated that policy after the 30-day messaging ban which my heart goes out to them because i'm still trying to figure out um, on our side you know, which cases can be appealed and which can't. Um, there's no three strikes and you're out with account suspensions. With, a, with reviews abuse, I would argue there's two strikes and you're out. If you're caught doing that again, you're permanently banned in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, everybody uh, get those last couple questions in. Uh, We are going to kind of wrap up here in just a little bit. So uh, while I'm talking to Chris here and we're kind of getting these last few questions, Mm -hmm. if you have any more you want to ask Chris, please jump in there. And again, if you head on over to Krimi.com, be sure to mention the podcast. I do appreciate that. So Chris, uh, give me kind of, I know this is a tough one, but give me kind of like the top, uh, give me kind of the top couple of reasons uh, people come to you on, on issues they're having. What was the issue? Like, what was it? We talked about the pesticides. We talked about uh, being banned uh, for maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe imaging, could be titles, Mm -hmm. could be a trademark.
1: Give me kind of just those.
0: Yeah, give me those couple top ones that you see the most. And maybe let's also throw out like a proactive, how can people go check those now to fix them so they maybe don't get in trouble?
1: Match what you're doing. I'll just say listing violations and then go into some detail because there's a ton of listing violations that Amazon's enforcing more now than they ever have. Clearly they're you know finally taking this seriously and cleaning up the catalog, but unfortunately sellers year over year always look at other sellers and just copy what they're doing and assume it's allowed because they see it live on the site. That is the exact wrong way of looking at this entire business, this entire marketplace. Never compare yourself to another seller and just say, well, this isn't apples to oranges, it's apples to apples. He or she is selling the same thing as me and I'm gonna do the same thing they're doing. That's the exact wrong way to look at this. Compare what you're doing against the policy pages. We know that there's people breaking the rules all the time. Just because Amazon doesn't stop you from doing something on the way in, doesn't mean it's allowed. Just because you see other sellers doing it, doesn't mean you're safe to assume you can do it too. This is the number one mistake we see with listing violations. We still see people using all caps on their detail pages. basic, basic style guide violations. We see basic violations in ASIN variations too. And most of the time we start interacting with the seller room, we see all their warnings. Some of them have six warnings, five warnings, detail pages corrected. Here are the ASINs, here's what you're doing wrong. The first words out of their mouths to us are, we know we're doing it right and this is an Amazon bot. This is an Amazon mistake. Their assumption is that they were doing it right 90-something percent of the time, I'll defer to my colleague Leah McHugh on these, um, 90-something percent of the time, they're doing them wrong. They're assuming they're doing it right because they see another seller doing it wrong too, and they think two wrongs make a right, which I'm pretty sure you have to spend money to make money, like you said. I'm pretty (laughs) sure two wrongs don't make a right. Um, Yeah,
0: you're absolutely correct. That's
1: one of the worst listing assumptions that we see. And I guess I'm shocked that in 2021, I still see people... Well, this guy's doing it. Why can't I do it? That's not the right way to look at Amazon.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I've got one last question for you before we wrap things up. Uh, So how do sellers misunderstand the reinstatement escalation process? And uh, maybe just uh, that could kind of be a long question, but maybe just... Um, uh,
1: I got a short answer. All right,
0: right, go for it. (laughs) So,
1: and there's good news here because a lot of people over the years mistakenly or erroneously thought it was a big deal to send something to Jeff at Amazon, which would get you to executive seller relations. I would say most sellers, the majority of sellers, probably that's the only way they need to escalate. Um, Partially, you know, my fault for bringing that up over the years. Um, Jeff's leaving pretty soon, guys. If you send it to Jeff at Amazon, it's going to go to Jeff Smith and he doesn't want to hear your escalation, right? <laughs> Jeff's on the way out. He's not going to be responsible for what goes into executive seller relations. So that's exactly. my little joke for today. There's different ways to escalate for different kinds of problems. There's different teams to ask. Es- Sometimes you have to escalate to a team that isn't the team that suspended you. A lot of people don't understand that nuance. They just keep going back to solid performance, keep going back, keep going back, keep calling account health, keep getting the same answers. You lose the ability to escalate when you just, you know, drink that well dry before you even get to the escalation point because you're doing it wrong. So obviously my company, me, we used to work on the escalations ourselves when we were working there. So we're an excellent place to start. Anyone who, I mean, accrue me, we've done a couple of things together. So people who work with you guys, obviously you want me to take a quick look at something before you escalate it, happy to do it. I can usually look pretty quickly and say, you're ready to escalate or you're not ready to escalate, or you're ready. Yeah. This is well written, but you're sending it to the wrong place. I know that's yeah. not the shortest of answers. Don't send the stuff to Jeff at Amazon and expect miracles. Everyone and their mother and grandmother and brother and sister have sent stuff to Jeff at Amazon. That's not a current viable escalation path. So,
0: absolutely. And that's yeah. a great segue. So, once mm-hmm. again, I'm Rob Stanley, Chief Market Officer for Akrumi. I got Chris McCabe, and we were talking about how to basically deal with Amazon suspensions and things mm-hmm. to avoid them. Uh, so if you if you missed anything on the podcast or you came in late uh, to the video or the podcast, you can head on over to Akrumi.com and check out the podcast is over there. And here's the best part. Chris's email and his contact information are on that page over at Akrumi.com. We've just implemented this like a week ago, Chris. Yeah. So we've got all your contact information over there, and uh, including your email. So people can head on over to Mm Akrimi.com and check out, uh, get Chris's information. Chris, I really appreciate you being on the Seller Growth Podcast. And uh, thanks for sharing all that great information.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast.
0: Special thanks to our sponsor, AcruMe. If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit accrueme.com and fill out the three-minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.